Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wherever you are, I just want you to begin praying right now. God is doing something. God is doing something peculiar in this room. We are peculiar people, and God is doing something peculiar right now. I just want you to begin to pray. Welcome to Revelation Church. Come on in. We're already praying. Come on in to this church. We're already praying. I just want you to begin praying already. Just begin and enter. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into this place with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. God is doing something. God is doing something mighty. Tonight is the night for breakthrough. I need you to share this. I need you to share this. God is making a change right now. God said, God is bringing you to a new level tonight. I need you to share this right now. Even before we begin, I need you to be in prayer and I need you to share, share, share this now. Share this with someone you love. Share this with someone you're concerned about. Share this with someone you're close with. Share this with someone that God puts on your heart. Begin to share it now as you pray. Be in an attitude of prayer. Be in an attitude of prayer as we come before our God. We are totally relying on you, Jesus. We are totally dependent on you, Jesus. We are grateful for you, Jesus. We are thankful for you, Jesus. Oh God, there is no greater one than you, Jesus. Oh God, and you saw fit to make us look like you. You saw fit to make us be yours. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to share continue to share. I have to just thank God so much. God is doing something. God is doing something. God is doing something. God is doing something. I'm seeing a woman. I'm seeing a woman do, do like this and like this. And like this, and I'm seeing seeing back back pains and back issues. If that's you, then just let me know. I'm seeing someone with with back back issues and back pains. It's like your spine is is always tight. It's like you can't can't get it loose ever. And I'm seeing the Lord touch you right now. I'm seeing the Lord heal you right now. I'm seeing the Lord realign the vertebrae in your spine right now. I don't know who this is, but I'm seeing all day you're constantly adjusting. A constantly moving, constantly aching, trying to get in the right position, and there's no, there's no prognosis for it. There's, there's, there's been no, there's been no uh, doctor to say what it is, but you know that there's this pain in you, and I see God touching you right now by His mighty hand. I see Him healing you right now by His mighty hand, and in the mighty name of Jesus, I just say you are healed. Receive it now in Jesus' mighty name. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Even now, look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Wherever you are, if that is you, I want you to just begin to move wherever you are. You're going to notice that all of the tightness, all of the stiffness is moving out of your back. You're going to notice that the ways that you were not able to move before, you're able to move now. I see God realigning you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If that is you, I thank God right now that you are healed. I thank God that right now he saw fit even at the beginning of this service tonight to touch you, to see you, to call you specifically and to touch you with his mighty hand. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus mighty name. I am so grateful to be here tonight. I am so thankful because I know that as I'm here, I am under a mighty covering. I know that as I'm here, I am under my spiritual father and mother who truly have been the voice of God in my life. They have truly guided me. They have truly led me. They have truly taught me. I'm talking personal teaching me and training me up and all of the the messages and the things and the words of encouragement and the things that they have bestowed on me. I am so grateful to be under this covering of this ministry. And I'm so grateful to come before you. You're my brothers, you're my sisters in Christ. And I'm so thankful to be in this family. And I just love God so much for what he's about to do tonight. Can somebody just praise God for what he's about to do tonight? Can somebody just be excited about what God is about to do tonight? Amen. Um, I just I just have to honor honor them because um, I just uh, I was looking back on even some notes way back a couple years ago. And um, my husband and I, we were getting some some counseling from from Papa Lowe. And, you know, I'm looking back and I'm reading through the notes again and I realize, okay, this is Jehovah sneaky because all the notes. (laughs) I'm just jotting down notes like, oh, this is good. And it ended up being literally prophetically outlining what our marriage has been up until this point. He literally told us everything we were going to encounter. And I didn't even realize he was prophesying. I didn't even realize that when I looked back on it, I'm like, oh, my God, we've been through that. We've been through that. We've been through that. Oh, 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 of course the prophet was prophesying. (laughs) So I just I just thank God um, for them. I thank God for my husband and I honor him because um, I wouldn't be able to be here tonight without without him and his agreement with me and his prayer over me and his covering over me as well. Um, I'm grateful to be submitted under a man that loves God truly and seeks after God and presses in and serves with his whole heart. I thank God for that. I thank God for him so much. And I thank God for all of you because truly we're submitted to one another. And, um, you know, this I, I love that about our church that we're all. Submission is the, is the culture, you know, and, and service is the culture and honor is the culture. And so I, I just honor all of you in this room and all of you watching. Um, I thank God that I can serve you tonight as his vessel. And I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your life is changed forever after hearing this in Jesus mighty name. So now that you have shared, begin, still share, continue to share, continue to share. Amen. Um, you already see the title, but I don't know if it's going to be what you think. <laughs> um, God is so good. 
uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that um, you know we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And so there's a lot of things that at times we pick up the culture of this world that we're in instead of transforming it by carrying the culture of heaven. Amen. Amen. And that's something that we have to be really watchful of as the children of God and as as ambassadors and as citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So there's some things that we uh, we prescribe to that uh, are of man's wisdom and we don't really know or take the time to get to the root of what God's wisdom is about these things. So because of that information or misinformation, we we don't really know what we're operating in, even at the foundation of what it is in our faith. Some things we define even terms through Webster, right? Right. Well, who's Webster? You know, it's like God is the one who created us all, who created every term that there is. Right. He is the living word. Right. So so our definitions are often uh, based on the wisdom of man instead of the wisdom of God. So God was um, challenging me and he's been teaching me about this for a while now. And I'm grateful to be able to continue to learn about it um, as I'm speaking it to you tonight. Um, And I just pray he will continue to make it manifest. Amen. Amen. Um, Because this is one of those messages where I got it. I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus, thank you. Now, can you show me how to say it in English? Because I can't get up there and preach in tongues. So (laughs) make this mystery unveiled. Um, but he, he's so good. and He's so faithful. Amen. Amen. So um, there, there's a lot of sayings and phrases, right, that we pick up from the world. And um, one of those phrases is nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. How many have heard have heard that said? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Type amen. If you've heard that, if you've heard that said before, nobody's perfect. That's what the world says. Right. And God was challenging me. He was like. That's not true for my children. That's not true for my children. That might be true for the world because in in truth, the world in the world, nobody can be perfect because you can't be perfect without Christ. Right. There's no there's no level of perfection you can get to without Jesus. Right. So I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to break this down for me. So um, let's go to Ephesians four verse eleven. Let's start there. We're going we're to move around a little bit tonight because it's going to take some unpacking. But praise God. He's going to help us. Amen. Amen. Go to Ephesians 4 and start with verse 11. Are you reading? Yes. Thank you. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors mm-hmm. and teachers. Amen. Pause right there for a second. Um, okay. Prophet Lovey talked about this one time, my papa. He said, you see the world through your calling and through your office. Mm -hmm. So when a prophet looks at the world, he sees the voice of God. Everything speaks, right? And when an apostle comes to you, we see the world. I mean, I thank God that I'm a prophetic apostle, that I'm under my papa. Amen. Amen. But I also have, um, as an apostle, we see the world through our calling as well, too. So there's a lot of times where when you're dealing with an apostle, your foundation 
is gonna get shaken up because yeah. we come to correct. That's yeah. what we come to do. Yeah. So when anytime you see me come before you, just know, okay, it's time for something to be shaken up and fixed at the Amen. foundation. Amen? Amen? Amen. But it's just so you can walk deeper and closer in your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. So um, I just wanna break something down because I know that we've been going live and we've been seeing great men and women of God, the, the sons and daughters of Prophet Lovi come before you. And I just don't want anyone to have any confusion about why uh, those offices are listed with people's names. Can I take a minute to break something now? Yes. Amen. So he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Okay. And this is not something that I, I learned growing up. This is not something that was really taught to me in depth. And so God is beginning to reveal it to me because I noticed that a lot of times uh, Papa will be teaching and then in the comments um, we'll see something like, man of God, am I a prophet? Am I a prophet? And Papa sometimes will say, if you are a prophet, you would know because they see and they hear. But um, there, there's a, a great thing about Christ in that Though he functioned when he was here on earth as a prophet, all of the offices were operational in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Every single one of the offices and all of the, the ministries, all of the ministries of the body of Christ were operational in him. That's why together we make up the completion of him. Amen. Amen. So an apostle is a representative, right, of the supreme authority sent on an expedition with a charge. They come for structure for order, for foundation. Amen? Amen. So that's why you see uh, Apostle Mike coming before you and, and, and just getting down to the nitty gritty of how to get rid of that anxiety, right? You see that when he comes before you, you're, you, you that, that thing is uprooted from the root of it, from the foundation of it, so you can think clearly about it. Like he said, he was going to chop up that steak dinner and make it more digestible. Amen? Amen? Amen. Then you have a prophet, the instructor, the comforter, the encourager who rebukes, convicts, and stimulates their hearers as they plead the direct cause of God. Now, this is from the Greek. This is from the Greek definitions of the word prophetess. They plead the direct cause of God. That's why they're in God's ear. That's why they're the voice and that mouthpiece of God. You notice Papalovi, he's, he's, he's serving us, but only because He's pleading the cause of God. His mission and his purpose is the cause of God solely. And it's, it's fascinating to watch someone so committed to the call of God because that's his, that's his office. That's how he, he functions and moves in this earth. Amen? Amen. And this is going to help somebody because I know a lot of people, uh, they, they want to function in their calling and in, and in what God has called them to do. So I'm just doing this to unfold a little bit to you and you can continue to seek the Lord. Amen? Um, Evangelist, bringer of good news. And even in 2 Timothy 4 or 5, it says that we're all called to, to do the work of an evangelist. So we help out the evangelist, right? So the evangelist is the bringer of good news, right? So like, I, when I think about an evangelist, I think about my sis Elena. Mm -hmm. yeah. And every time you see her, it's some good news somewhere. <laughs> it's just like something about her is like brightness. It's Amen. like, okay, all right, all right, we winning. We, I didn't even know I was winning today. And it's just something about them that just carries good news and just carries that spirit of God and that representation of God. Amen. Amen. Then you have your pastor. And now this is, this is really exciting to me because I know my husband is called in this. And um, pastor um, is a shepherd. But it's a shepherd ruling as a friend or a companion. Mm. 
So when I think about that, I think about my husband. I think about Pastor Candace. You know, I think about the pastors, those that are, they, they, they speak to the heart of God for companionship, right? And even in, there's a, there's a verse in uh, Jeremiah 3, um, go to Jeremiah, just jump over there for a second. Jeremiah 3, 14 to 15. We'll come back to, um, you can read it. We'll come back to the uh, Ephesians 4 in a second. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 3, 14. Mm-hmm. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. Amen. And this touches my heart, too, because I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's daughter. So, um, amen. I just thank God for my dad, too, who, you know, really who led me to Christ. Praise God. And, and, and brought me up in the word of God. And uh, but when you think about pastors, it talks about I'm going to marry my children. So. Uh, we, when we use like the fivefold and we use the finger, the wedding finger to represent the pastors, because when God talks about marrying, he talks, he says, I'm going to marry you, but I'm going to give you a pastor. That's that symbol of being married and being one with God in that way. And then, of course, the teacher and the teacher is deep, too, because the teacher means the instructor, the doctor, the master. They teach the things of God and the duties of men. So I just really want to honor God, too, because this was never really broken down to me all, you know, growing up. But I thank God because this is a gift he's given to us. Right. Yeah. And when God gives us a gift as his body and as his children, he does it for a purpose. Yes. He does it for a purpose. Now go back to Ephesians four. And go back to. Verse 11 and read through 12. From verse 11, mm -hmm. and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. For the perfecting of the saints. Okay. I thought nobody was perfect. I thought perfect wasn't possible, right? Isn't that what the world said? Now, the wisdom of the world says perfect is impossible. You can't be perfect. We're only human. Perfect, you can't, you can't attain that. Perfection is not, is not something that we can go to. I thought perfect, but, but this is saying, go ahead, read it, read verse 12 again. For the perfecting of the saints. Mm-hmm. For the perfecting of the saints. So God is giving a gift to the children of God, to the church of God. And the purpose of that gift, he's, play, he's laying it out clearly. The purpose of that gift is to perfect you. So that means that, okay, not only is perfection possible, but perfect is the goal of God for his children. Not only is perfect possible, but perfect is the plan of God for his children. I'm like, okay, Lord, perfect is possible. It's not just because po if perfect isn't possible, then that means that the whole plan, the whole idea God had for us is unfruitful. It's not going to work. And we know that's not the truth, right? We know that's not going to happen. We know that what God sets as a purpose, he accomplishes. Amen. How many of you know that if God has a purpose set in your life, he accomplishes it? How many of you know that if God has a purpose set in your life, he accomplishes it? 
He accomplishes everything he sets out to do. His word does not go out and return unto him void. It accomplishes that which it was sent out to do. So if he's telling us perfect is not only possible, perfect is the goal, then what's the disconnect here? God was like, the issue is that you're basing your definition of perfect on what man says and on the wisdom of man and not what I say perfect is. Because in the world, this is what perfect is in the world. Perfect in the world is void of mistakes. Perfect in the world is no transgressions. Perfect in the world is no weaknesses. Perfect in the world is no needs, right? But that's not what perfect is in God. That's not what perfect is in God. We have to know to seek his mind concerning every single thing, everything concerning our lives, right? So let's see what perfect is for God. Perfect, that word perfect is the word teleos. It means complete, complete in growth. Complete in mental or moral character, mature and finished. The truth is in God, you cannot be perfect without weaknesses. You cannot be perfect without mistakes because the process of going through life, the process of going through weaknesses and relying on God is the process that perfection comes by. Amen. Amen. You can't be uh, the perfect of the world is not attainable. What they're talking about, that's nothing because it's unheard of. But what God is talking about, the perfect in Christ is the perfect of maturing you, making you complete, making you so that you lack nothing, making you so that you are full in totality, full of everything he has prescribed to be a part of you. I want someone to change their confession right now. I want someone to change their confession right now. I want your confession right now to be, I am being perfected in Christ. Begin to say that. I am being perfected in Christ. I am being perfected in Christ. Perfect is possible. Perfect is possible. Perfect is the plan. Perfect is the plan. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, The thing about God is if you're going to do something that is his definition, you're going to have to do it his way. You're going to have to do it his way. But you have to remember the character of God is that he loves you. The character of God is that he cares for you so deeply. I just want to speak to someone right now. I see someone doubting that. I see someone doubting that tonight. And I'm here to tell you that that is the truth for your life. That God loves you. That God loves you. That that is the heart of this message tonight is that God loves you. That the perfecting process that he's putting you through is an indication of his love for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, tonight you will know the love of God. Tonight you will see the evidence of the love of God in your life in areas where you did not suspect it to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when it comes to the perfection of God, God showed me 
You cannot have the perfection of God without the conviction and the correction of God. You cannot have perfection without conviction or correction. I feel like I'm talking to myself. (laughs) Am I talking to myself? You cannot have perfection without conviction or correction. The issue is that we have not always known what these things are and what their purpose is in our life. So when conviction comes, when correction comes, we either don't recognize it or we mislabel it as something else and resist it when it's actually coming from God, when it's actually coming from a place of his love for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17. Stay in an attitude of prayer because Amen. God is doing something tonight. He's setting some things straight. So that's because here's the thing. When it's time for you to increase, when it's time for you to elevate to the next level, these things have to be in order first. And we're going to an entirely new level in this ministry, in this house of God, in our church. And each and every one of you are going to a new level in your life. Amen. So these are the types of things you have to be excited about. You have to be excited about God doing a work of perfecting in you, because this is not only an elevation. This is an elevation to the level of perfection. This is an elevation to the level of walking in completeness with God. That's something to be excited about because some things in your life you've been held back from because you've been resisting something God is trying to do. And he wants to move you into it more quickly now. Prophet Will, um, Apostle Prophet Will said last night, it's supposed to be instant, it's supposed to be instant. So if anything is not instant when God is imparting it into you, you gotta make sure you're going with the flow of God. You gotta make sure that when, what did he say? The touch of God comes, that you are moving with that touch, amen? Amen. 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 So begin to read 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is instruction and learning. Keep going. For reproof. Reproof, conviction. For correction. Correction, the act of putting something right. For instruction in righteousness. Instruction is tutorage or education. That the man of God may be perfect. Mm, There we go again. All of these things produce that perfection, that the man of God may be perfect. God is going again to that word perfect, that word complete. Continue. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I asked the Lord, I was like, what does it mean to be thoroughly furnished? And he began to show me a house. And a house that is thoroughly furnished is a house that has been fitted for every function. Every function that is needed in that home, it has been fitted for. It has been equipped for. Now, you got to remember, if God dwells in you, then my friends, you're a house. If God dwells in you, then my friends, you're an abode. So God is saying essentially that to be perfect, you have to be 
thoroughly furnished. You have to be equipped. That means that everything that you need for your life, for the good works that God has called you to do. Many of you are called to good works. Many of you are called to the entertainment industry. Many of you are called to the medical field. Many of you are called to be lawyers, to be doctors, to do good works, to be representative of Christ in these fields. But God is not sending you out when you're not fully equipped, when you're not made perfect, when you're not made complete, when you don't have every single thing you need. When you walk into a house, if there's no chairs, then you can't operate in the function of sitting and resting in the home. You walk into the house and there's no plugs and there's no electricity that can operate in the home. You, there, and when you walk into a house, if there's no sink, if there's, there's, uh, there's functions that are needed in a home for it to operate. There's functions that are needed to be able to operate in a home. You're a home. You're the home of God. Some of you, another issue that the Lord told me, some of you, God has been sending the packages, the furnishings to furnish the home. He's been sending the packages to furnish the home. The issue you're having is that you're a studio apartment and God is sending the furnishings for a house. Your capacity, your capacity is not large enough to receive the furnishings that God wants to send you. Your capacity is not large enough yet to receive the furnishings God has to send you. The table's been delivered. The chairs have come. But the table won't fit there because your capacity. So it's being returned to sender. God's sending it. He's sending the equipment. He's sending everything you need for your career. He's sending everything you need for your marriage to manifest. He's sending everything you need for your finances. He's sending everything you need. He sent it. He sent it. I've seen like Amazon packages arriving on the doorstep, piling up because there's no room for them to come in the house. Your capacity has to expand. Who here tonight wants God to expand their capacity? Who here tonight wants God to expand their capacity? Hallelujah, Lord, expand my capacity. Lord, expand my capacity that I can fit every furnishing you put in me. Because some of you, and some of you are a house, and you're not comfortable because you're a house. Oh, I can fit a little furniture in here. I'm furnished. But God is still saying the same thing because the furniture that he has to send to you is supposed to fill up a compound. It's supposed to fill up a mansion. Everybody needs to continue to grow from glory to glory to glory. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus, that he's furnishing us fully. And then do you guys know that? um, Have you ever seen that TV show uh, Hoarders? (laughs) It's stressful. Amen. It's stressful. I just thank God for delivering every one of those people as well, because that is definitely a spiritual thing. But what God was showing me is some of you got the packages and you're just piling the packages up and not doing anything with those furnishings, not even opening the box. On that show, they would have people and they would say, well, what is what is all of this? And they would say, I'm going to get to that eventually. I'm going to use that eventually. I haven't opened it yet. It came five years ago, but I'm going to use it eventually. And now there's an expiration on even that being used. Uh 
-hmm. Now you can't even use it anymore. Now it's beginning to rot. Now it's beginning to, to fester because you didn't use it for the purpose it was intended. You just let it pile up in the house. So you have every single thing you need within you. Every single thing. God is saying, I'm making you perfect. He's saying, I'm fully furnishing you. I'm going to need somebody tonight to go back within themselves and check out some of these packages. Make sure your capacity is expanding and make sure you open the things that God has already delivered to you. Amen. Amen. Open up. See what God has already delivered unto you. In the mighty name of Jesus, it's going to make a difference. Amen. 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 So a house fully furnished is a house fitted for every function. Every single function. Perfection comes by conviction and correction. So in verse 16, um, go back to, what was it, 2 Timothy 3, mm -hmm. 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. So reproof, okay, that word there that's translated reproof is the word eleko. And that is the word to convict. Perfection comes by conviction and correction. We're going to start with conviction. Amen? Amen. So the word there, eleko, is to convict. And what it means, it means to convince someone of fault, right? To expose, to bring to the light, to reprimand firmly. It brings to the light. It brings to the light. But remember, this is not condemnation. This is not bringing to the light for no purpose. This is not bringing to the light to destroy. This is bringing to the light to bring life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So where does conviction come from? Let's go to John 16, verse 7. Amen. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Everybody say the comforter. The comforter. The comforter will not come unto you. Continue. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin. Hallelujah. And of righteousness and of judgment. The word reprove there is that word eleko. That's that word convict. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. Now conviction can come from different sources. This is just the first source that the conviction can come from. Amen. 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 The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. So you mean to tell me that somebody that's called a comforter is the person that is going to convict? So maybe my understanding of conviction is off because I'm thinking comfort is supposed yeah. to feel good. I'm yeah, thinking yeah, comfort yeah. is supposed yeah. to bring soothing. I'm thinking comfort is supposed to, uh, is supposed to bring ease and, yeah. and what I would call peace, right? <laughs> but God is saying the Holy Spirit, the comforter, is the one who convicts. Yeah. So what is conviction really doing? Mm. Go to John 3.20. We're going to move around tonight, but we're going to get our foundations right in Jesus' name. And when we walk into this new building, amen. 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 
We're not going to be dealing with some of these old things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. John 3.20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Lest his deeds should be eleko. Lest his deeds should be reproved. So conviction brings you to the light. Jesus himself is saying that the only way to come to the light of God is through conviction. The only way to come to the light of God is through exposure, which is conviction. What does that mean? What does that mean? Go to Revelation 319. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Make it plain, Lord. Make it plain, Lord. Hallelujah. Revelation 3, verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So this is Jesus. As many as I love. Read it again. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I rebuke and chasten. God shows his love through conviction. This is an, an, a manifestation of the love of God. And what does it lead to? Read that verse again. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. It leads to zeal and repentance. Mm-hmm. It leads to the changing of your mind and the energizing of your faith to move forward in God. Right. It leads to that energizing of your faith to move forward in God. Now, I want you to also read one last verse in this part for Romans 2, verse 4. Romans 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, mm-hmm. not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Okay, so God is saying, Jesus is saying that conviction leads you to repentance. And this verse is saying that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. I'm like, Lord, okay, what what, what am I missing here? What what is the relation here so that I can understand what you're saying? Because I know you're not going to change your mind. I know you're not going to say one thing and then say something different. Everything you're saying is one and everything you're saying is truth. And God showed me, he said, conviction is an attribute of my goodness that is intended to expose and bring to light your need for me. Conviction is an attribute of the goodness of God. Conviction is intended to expose, to bring to light your need for God. It's not intended to bring about shame. It's not intended to cause you to run away from God. It's intended to make you say, my God, I need you. My God, I need you. My God, I want to be closer to you. My God, I want to draw near to you. My God, I want to be pressed into you. So many times in the body, we have, we have thought we were convicting. We were thought we were in conviction. We were in condemnation. And it did not produce closeness with God. And that's how you, that's part of the way you know. If it's pushing you away, if you're wanting to run away, then that's not conviction. 
But if it's causing you to press into him more, to see, my God, I need you. My God, I must rely on you. That's his goodness. That's his goodness to expose. Hey, 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 hey. You need me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need me. Yes, Lord. <laughs> if you think about it, like the conviction that we had brought us to this place in our relationship with God. Those of you watching, those of you in this room, those of you online, thank God for you. You remember that time of conviction that you said, ah, I don't think that being a good person is going to be good enough. Something's different. Something has to change in me. I got to go see what this God thing is about. I got to go see if this still small voice that's, that's telling me I need him might be right about something. And that conviction, it brought you to the repentance to change your mind. It's the goodness of God to know you need him. How many can rejoice in the goodness of God knowing that you need him? Hallelujah. Can we rejoice tonight in the goodness of God? So many people, so many people don't know that they need God. So many people. That literally is the thing that so many people are kept from God because of. Not just not knowing that they need him. Oh, I'm good. I'm a good person. I help people. I don't, I'm not a murderer. I'm not, I'm not this. Yet God is calling murderers unto himself and saying that this person I can justify because it's not their strength that I'm doing it through. It's my own. A murderer can be in right standing and you can be a good person and fall in all kind of which ways out of his will. Because when you come in God, he changes your title. You don't become a murderer anymore. <laughs> you become a mighty vessel of his power. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that conviction, that conviction, it exposes your need for him. And it comes first from the Holy Spirit. It's the evidence that you need him. It's, it causes you to draw near to him. It causes you to press into him. And I also was, um, I was asking the Lord, like, going back with this thing with the world because there's some terms that we continue, like I said, to continue to rely on. And he's like, when you draw near to me, I don't want you to think about it in the same way as the world because the world says things like association brings about assimilation, right? And that sounds deep. Oh, okay. Association brings about assimilation. Cool. But with God, what we're doing with him, it's so much more powerful and deep than that because we don't just associate with our God, right? We're intimate with our God. We're intimate with him. And that intimacy with God, it doesn't just bring association, brings about assimilation. That intimacy brings about integration with him. It's a whole different level. It's a whole different thing we're operating in. So we have to have our minds right and kind of wash away the thinking of the world because that association assimilation thing, that's superficial compared to what we're doing in God. When God convicts you, he doesn't just pull you near. He pulls you in to him and presses himself into you and becomes one with you. You become transformed. You become made as him. You become him through him. That's a whole different level that we're talking about. So God is not just convicting you to just the conviction of God is just that exposure. So you'll pull yourself into him and become one with him. Oneness with Jesus is everything. And I have to say, too, because I want it to be made clear that when I'm talking about perfecting here, I'm talking about the work of God on the soul. Your spirit has already been made perfect. Amen. Your spirit has already been made perfect in Jesus. When you came to Christ, 
You were made perfect in Jesus. Your spirit man joined with the Holy Spirit and became perfect in Christ. Now, God, what he's doing is he's he's doing the renovations. Remember, I said you're a house. He's doing some some renovations on the home. He's adding some things. You know, even over here, there's renovations going on. There's things to improvements. Right. These are for the soul so that you can maintain all that he has for you. Amen. 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 So the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our love, the one that's close to us, the one that loves us so tenderly convicts us. He shows us our need for God and draws us near to him. The second way that conviction comes is found in John 8, verse 1 through 9. Let's start reading John chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. Amen. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Mm -hmm. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. And with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. Jesus. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, mm. went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Read verse nine again. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. By their own conscience. By their own conscience. Now remember, conviction is supposed to draw you near to God. It's supposed to draw you into the reliance of God. But these men that were trying to expose and condemn this woman, they're convicted by their own conscience. That means that God, when, when God designed each and every one of us, he put his voice of conviction in us. He put an opportunity in us to be able to be drawn near to him. So it's not just his Holy Spirit, but he even integrated conviction into who you are as a human, into who you are as a person. He put that in you. They have their own conscience that they are convicted by. This is something that's supposed to steer them to their need for Jesus. Papa talked about how as he was writing on the ground, he was just writing their names. And he was exposing. Now, why would Jesus, loving Jesus, expose somebody? Why are you trying to expose people, Jesus? Why are you trying to put people on blast, Jesus? Why? Because everything he does is for his love. It's to draw people near. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to see, oh, you're right. I need you. So even those that are lost in them, there's something pulling them toward God. But the problem is the enemy comes in and corrupts it and brings in condemnation and they flee from it. They run away from the God. What did he say? It says, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one. They began to depart 
from his presence. When in his presence, there was the deliverance. When in his presence, there was the, the perfection that they needed. I thank God for the conviction of our conscience that pulls us to him and that we have the knowledge to pull us to him. So the ways that you are being convicted so far by the Holy Spirit and by your own conscience. Let's see the next one. Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, 15. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Okay, now this one is a tricky one because sometimes church folk don't want to hear this one. That God can convict you through one another. He can convict you through one another. But you see the, the order of it. You see the, the grace in it. It's just, it's a person to person. And you see the purpose of it. What does it say? Go and tell him his eleko between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. The problem also is that some people go, let me tell you what you did to me. But your purpose and your mission isn't to gain your brother. Your purpose and your mission isn't to retain the friendship. Your purpose and your mission isn't to gain someone in Jesus. The purpose is to express yourself. The Bible says the foolish heart seeks to express itself. Your purpose is to, to get something off your chest. I got to get something off my chest. Because what you did was not what I really wanted to be done to me. And I, you know what, I could, I could take you or leave you. Uh, ah, that's not conviction. That's not conviction. That's not what it looks like. Conviction is, hey, I didn't know if you, if you noticed this, but um, first of all, I've been in prayer for you. I haven't just come to you of my own self. And second of all, I want our relationship to be good because oneness in Christ is the goal. Oneness in Christ is the mission. How can we be good? How can I help you? How can I serve you in this? How can I honor you in this? Even though I was hurting, even though my feelings got a little twisted. Because remember, this is the perfecting in your soul. So these are the times, times where you feel those twinges in, in, your, in your mind, your will, your emotions. And you're trying to figure out, you're wrestling with it. You're dealing, we deal with people every single day and in church. And this is sometimes where a lot of that church hurt comes from. It's not knowing how to come to someone in love with always the purpose of gaining them. When we convict one another, it's in the same model as when the Holy Spirit convicts us. He convicts us to bring us to him. If you don't have the purpose of unity, don't talk to anybody about anything. Just take it to the Lord until he changes your heart. Seriously. A lot of people get messed up because you're talking and some of them are babes in Christ. And you, yeah. and, and it, it, it's not conviction because the heart behind it isn't to pull near. If the heart behind it isn't to draw near, it's not conviction. It's just exposure for the, for the sake of, of expression. It's just, it, and it's evil. When it's not with the right heart, it's not with the heart of God. When it's just for your own selfish purposes, then that's not conviction. So when we talk about convicting one another, 
There's a grace in that to know that it's for being, pulling one, even in marriage. God is showing me right now, even in marriage, a lot of times this can cause division in your home. Some of you who are married and watching this right now, that's been the attitude that some of the conversations have started with. It's been, let me straighten you out. And it's not about the unity. It's not about we're a team. We're a partnership. We're centered in Christ. Let's talk this through before our God. First of all, before I even come before you, let's go before God together. Because I might be wrong. You might not have wronged me. You might have actually been an instrument of God to help me. And I just met, I just thought it was being wrong because it didn't feel good. Because we're caught up in what it feels like so much. We half the time don't even know when somebody's actually even wronged us. We don't even know if it's been an instrument of God's power in our life to correct us. Amen. You got to check your heart. You got you to pour your heart before God at all times, especially when dealing with his people. You're his child, but the person you're talking to, that's his child too. Be real careful with my kids. Let me tell you, I know my children are, are wild. I know my child is, is, is energetic. I know my child's fiery, but still be real careful with my child because he's my child. God feels the same way about you. And he feels the same way about your brother and your sister. A lot of times honor has been lost because you're not careful with one another. I'm not saying that you have to sugarcoat things or not be able to be honest and truthful because wherever there's love, there's truth. But you have to be under the heart of pulling and joining together. And then also you have to know on the other side of that, you have to know that God might be convicting you through your brother. Can you be humble enough to receive his his pull of you to come closer to him through them? Can you even see it that way? When you're ex- when then something is exposed in your life that needs to be corrected and perfected, can you be excited about it? How why is it that we immediately go to shame? It's because our mind has been conditioned to work that way, to see things through the lens of shame and embarrassment. How about we be excited for the things that God is changing in us? How about we be energized and zealous, as Jesus said? It makes you zealous for repentance. Ah, I'm, I'm excited to change my mind. Show me something new today, Lord. Show me something I wasn't thinking of. Because I know I want to be made more perfect today. Don't let me end today like I ended yesterday. My God exposed something in my heart that needs to be fixed and corrected. Thank you, Jesus. The fourth way that God convicts. Go to 2 Timothy 4.2. Okay, amen. I want to honor you guys' time tonight. You know how when in, in the old Southern church, they come up and they say, I'm not going to be before you long. And that's how you know it's going to be a long sermon. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, go to uh, 2 Timothy 4, 2. Amen. <laughs> Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season, reprove, rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So those that come to preach you the word, their purpose in your life is to come to convict you. To convict you, to pull you closer to God, to expose everything in your life that's not operating in the way that God intends. So the first way was by the Holy Spirit. Then by your own conscience, God gave you a conviction within your own self to put all of this again is to the end of bringing you into him. The next way is by one another, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Then it's by a man of God. 
Read Titus 1.9. Titus 1, nine. Amen. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. To exhort and to convince. Convince, that's that same word, eleko. To convince the gainsayers, to, to convince those that are lost. It's only by conviction that they're coming. It's only by conviction that they're coming into the faith. And you see exhortation and conviction, they go hand in hand. It's edification. It's a building thing. Amen. 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 And read verse 13 in that same chapter. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Rebuke them sharply? Dang, geez. No, but that is the same thing. It's the same thing. But what's the purpose? That they may be sound or whole in the faith. This is an aspect of God's love that we don't often explore because it makes people uncomfortable. Because you're, you're man, the man of God coming to give correction to your life, it, it's so easy to slip into offense. Right. Sad to say it, I've seen it on the live stream. He's, com he's correcting, com convicting, he's teaching, Papalo's teaching, and then some, something comes up and it's, <clears throat> I'm like, ah, this is what he's here for. This is the purpose that God has sent this man of God to do. But because your brain has been rewired to see the world through condemnation, you can't even receive conviction with the right spirit and the right mind to know, oh my God, God must love me if he's telling me something to make me better. Amen. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Every single word that we think of, every single way we see and view the world, it has to be changed. Amen. It has to be uprooted. I mean, I thank God for the kids of this ministry. I look at the, the children's church and the video of the, the church that we're, we're praying and believing God and we're about to go into. And I'm like, look at these, the children that I birthed, that Lena's birthed, like all of them are going to be raised up in this ministry and all of this stuff that we're trying to, in, the indoctrination that we're trying to get rid of, they're not going to have that. They're not going to have to overcome. Uh, they're not going to be 30 years old going, oh, I'm one with Jesus. Right. <laughs> ah, dang it. How many things could I have done if I really got that? I remember when Mama Mavs really broke that down. I was like, ah, here I am, 30 on the beach, just now discovering. And I'm one really, really getting a visual to understand it. Listen, I thank God. <laughs> It's his love for us that convicts us. It's his love for us that exposes our need for him. So we're convicted by, by a man of God as well. Now go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Hallelujah. Basto de de basto. Ikane de de basto. Ilo stonje istale basto. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 through 25. Amen. But if all prophecy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. Oh, Jesus. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God 
and report that God is in you of a truth. Listen to this. But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced, eleko, convicted of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, exposed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God. The church will know you are in operation of how God intended us to operate. When those that are in the world are coming down and they are worshiping God and they are beginning to worship God, their hearts are exposed. The prophetic will convict you. How many services have we seen where Papa exposes the heart of somebody, exposes the heart of someone, and it does not cause them to run screaming out of the church. It doesn't cause any embarrassment or shame. It causes wonder. My God, truly God is here. Truly God has seen me. You've exposed my heart. You've exposed my heart. Now I must fall down and worship God. The conviction of God is how we're going to win the souls, my God. People of God. But we don't do, we don't convict the world the way that God intended with the intention of truly gaining them. We do it from a place of of self-righteousness, of thinking that we know you don't. But we don't do it from a place of love, a place of seeing the concern of God for people and desiring to pull them into his love. I thank God that in this ministry that we have a man of God that exhorts us and that edifies us in every way, including through conviction, that he can see that the prophetic is an ability to convict. The Bible says that if we all prophesy, that means everywhere you go, this is, he's saying this is an easy step. This is an easier way to do it. Just, let me expose that people, the expo- bring to light yeah. that people need me. And then yeah. I'm going to use the Holy Spirit through you to bring them into me. It doesn't have to be all of this. Um, I, I love this story. Papa, Papa Lowe talks about how he was taking a walk one day and somebody did a drive by salvation. They drove up next to him and they said, uh, my man, have you accepted uh, the Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he was like, mm-hmm. not knowing that you're even talking to a prophet of God. He's like, all right, man, peace. I'm like, that story cracked me up because it's really, it's really how we do it. We don't have any, any purpose of pulling people in. We don't have any insight, any insight. The church has, the church has um, so sadly condemned the prophetic. And that's an, that's an instrument of Satan because God, the, the plan of God to convict people, to pull him into them, it's done very much so yes. through the prophetic. Yes. Yes. That's, true. That's, good. That's why I thank God that though we, we be apostles and teachers and evangelists, we're all under a prophetic covering yes. and we all have that importation of that prophetic. Yes. That's, that, if we all prophesy, we'll bring them in. They'll worship God. Yes. And thus the secrets of his heart are made manifest to expose the secrets of the heart, not to condemn, not to cause shame, not to cause embarrassment, but to let someone know God sees you. God sees you and he loves you. God sees you. And the thing about conviction too, is that conviction comes with solutions. Conviction comes with solutions. 
Condemnation, when you know you're in condemnation when you don't have any solutions. You can just point out issues, but there's no solutions. You can just point out problems. That needs to be fixed. That church, they worship team ain't even singing on key. What's your solution? Why are you even talking? Why are you even talking? That's <laughs> Conviction produces solutions. It produces change, and it produces a closeness with God. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Proverbs 3, verse 11 through 12. We still have some, some stuff to get through tonight. Amen. Amen. Amen, I will. Amen, I'll take my time <laughs> until I don't have any more time, and then I'll hurry up. <laughs> uh, go to Proverbs 3 and... Verse 11? Uh, yes, let's start with verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, mm -hmm. neither be weary of his correction. Mm -hmm. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, mm -hmm. even as a father the son mm -hmm. in whom he delighteth. Mm -hmm. Read that again. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Jesus. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Jesus. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Hallelujah. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Each of these words, chastening, correction, correcteth. They actually all have different meanings. They all fall under the, the umbrella of correction. Because now we've seen conviction, right? We've seen what conviction does. It brings the loss to God. It brings you closer in your relationship with God. It draws you near. It exposes your need for him. But with correction, we have three different things here for correction. First, we have chastening. And that word is musar. That's warning, instruction, discipline. Then when he says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. That word means reprimand by word. Amen. Amen. Are we tracking? And then the last one, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. And that word means to justify and put on the right path. Correction is the discipline, the instruction of God to put you back on the right path of God. To put you back on the right path of God. And the thing about correction is that I think has been missed on the church is that in all these instances where God talks about correction, correction is for the children. Correction is for the children of God. And a lot of times we go out in the world and we begin to correct people who have not even prescribed to, the, to, what, to our faith. And they're trying to figure out what are you even talking about? Because we skip the whole step of conviction. We skip the whole step of, of exposing their need for God by, by a heart to heart by, by pulling them into him, and we go straight into correction, and, and they're resistant to it because co correction is for the children. When I go to the grocery store, and I see somebody else's child cutting up, I do sometimes give a little look, but I don't go over there and sit your, I don't do that. I don't do that. That's not my child, right? That's not my child. Correction is for the children. 
right? Correction, and, and see the correction implies that you were on a path, came off that path, and just need to be realigned back to that path. Yes. yes. It means to, to straighten up again. That means you had been straight before. That means you had been straight before. Correction is for the children. The church is going out like, I'm going to correct you, I'm going to correct you, I'm going to correct my boss. I'm going to correct. Your boss has never even, doesn't even know how to spell Jesus, let alone who he is. And you haven't manifested him to, to him. So how can he know? So it's, it's, the correction is for you. Correction is God doing something in you. It's the straightening out of your character. Um, in 2 Timothy 3.16, the one we read before, correction in the, in the Greek, it means the straightening up again, the act of putting something right, rectification, reformation, to make changes in something to improve it. The, the correction of God is putting you in the right path with God because of the, the goal to justify you, to make you in the right way, to make you walk in the right way. Amen. Amen. I was looking at my notes um, from my years ago when I got married and Papa Lo was counseling my, uh, my husband, Stephen, and I. And let me tell you, these gems, man, there are some gems. I told you he prophetically outlined everything. But another thing I came across, he was saying, he said, uh, the world says that only the strong survive. He said, that's not true. Only the ones who accept change survive. Wow. That's our papa. That's powerful. Amen. That's our papa. Yes. Only the ones that can accept change survive. A lot of the issues in your life come because you're not fluid with God. Yeah, yeah. You can't be changed by God. You can't be corrected by God. You're stubborn. But God is saying, I love you. I'm trying to put you on the right path. You're resisting it and it's making it more difficult. It's not more difficult for me. I'm God. It's making it more difficult for you because I, I, I have a, a mission and a plan for your life and you're mine. You made a declaration that you're mine. I made a declaration that you're mine and those that are mine cannot be snatched out of my hand. So that means if you start to falter and waver out of his hand, what's he going to do? He's going to give us some little pressure to put you back in alignment because he cares. It's the love of God because he cares about the path and the purpose and the plan of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another thing he said, he said, Papa Lo, when he was teaching Stephen and I, and like I said, everything happened that he, that he said, he said, wherever there is love, there is truth. And wherever there is truth, there is correction. He was talking about in, in our marriage, there's going to be times where you're going to have to correct one another. You know, I, I read somewhere when I was getting married, like marriage is God's tool for producing Christ likeness in a person. Wow. You're, 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 you're God's tool for producing Christ likeness in a person. How beautiful is that? But sometimes when I read that, my, my revelation, because Papa had opened up my eyes revelation, my first thought was a tool. Sometimes a tool is a hammer. Sometimes a tool is sandpaper. Tools, sometimes the process of a tool being used, it can seem rough. Yeah. It can seem hard. It can seem difficult. But the end result is you have this beautiful masterpiece. The end result is, like I said, we're a house. We're a mansion. You're a compound. You're, you're beyond. So when God is putting together the structure of who you are, 
Correction comes as that tool to perfect you. Sometimes it looks like a nail being driven in by a hammer and you're thinking, ow, this doesn't feel good, but God is saying it's going to produce a good result. God is saying, I'm making you perfect. I'm making you something that will manifest my glory to this entire world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's that process of perfecting. God is correcting you. Go to Zephaniah 3, 2. Zephaniah 3, 2. Actually, um, hold. Go to um, Jeremiah 7, 28 first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah I just wanna, 7, 28. I just want to make that, make that clear because when Papa said that wherever there is love, there is truth, and wherever there is truth, there is correction. Um, go ahead and read Jeremiah seven twenty eight. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. When you cannot receive correction, you cannot manifest the truth of God in your life. When you cannot receive correction, you cannot manifest the truth of God in your life. Correction and truth go hand in hand. The truth of God comes with the correction of God. It's just that simple. It comes with the correction of God. It's his plan for you to be in that perfect path that he has for you. That doesn't mean no mistakes. That doesn't mean that you never transgress. What that means, remember, perfect is to be fully furnished, is to be fully equipped. So God is using correction to perfect your soul so that you're fully equipped. And that is going to come with truth. A lot. What, what's that? What, what movie they say? You can't handle the truth. Half the time, it's, just, it's literally just not being able to handle the truth, not pressing into the truth of God. Pressing into the truth of God for your life. Pressing in. Taking the time to truly hear all the details of what he's outlining. Noah built an ark. If he didn't press in for the truth of God, that thing would not have been correct and it would not have floated. He needed exact measurements. He'd have been drowned just like everybody else. Because he had to do it correctly because there, there was a truth and a precision to it. So he had to press in to know the full instruction. Get the full instruction. Some of the, some of the correction doesn't even have to come. Half the time, just take the time to get the full instruction and then you won't need to be course corrected. A lot of times we falter because we, and it's good to be zealous for God, but we falter because what did Papa say? We run ahead of God. We go further and faster. Now we got to go back. A lot of times uh, the correction comes from having to go back and recalibrate, reconfigure because we jumped ahead. Getting the truth of God is going hand in hand with the correction of God. Amen. Amen. Now go to Zephaniah 3.2. Zephaniah 3, 2. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. So now we see that just like, read it again, read it again. She obeyed you, not the voice. She received not correction. Mm. She, she obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. Continue. She trusted not in the Lord. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. She drew not near to her God. 
even correction, the purpose of it is to draw you near to your God. Correction brings a trust in God. It's stemmed out of a trust in God. It's saying, God, I know I thought I was on the right path, but if you're correcting me, if you're putting me on a different path, then I'm trusting that your path is perfect. I'm trusting that your plan is perfect. I'm obeying your voice. I'm in tune with your voice. We have to be in tune with the voice of God. We have to be in tune with the present voice of God continually in our life. Everything we do, we have to do in consult with him. She, read it again. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. She drew not near to her God. She drew not near to her God. How sad is it that that's the entire purpose for what he wants to do? But some of us are drawing away from him instead of to him because we don't see the correction for what it is. We don't see it for the hand of God. We don't see it. And a lot of times we are rebuking it. We're, we're, we're casting it out and we're thinking that it's from the enemy and it's not even from him. It's God just guiding you. And remember, correction started by word. First, it was a word. He tried to tell you. Now he's having to show you a little bit, put a little pressure on that thing. And you're like, oh, Lord, my life's over because it's like you're not you're not submitted and moldable. So it's more difficult. It's more difficult. So the process of correcting it, it, it straightens you back up on the path with God and puts you back in the plan of God for his perfection. Now, the truth of God, the Bible says that they shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. Right. And Papa talked about that, that he, he makes you in the freedom yourself. But that word make even it, it has an implication of force, right? The truth is going to make you free. So there's a, in, there's a, there's an intensity behind God. There's a force behind God that, that he cares about us so much that his truth that comes through correction will actually make us free. He's like, my children are not going to be in bondage anymore. I'm going to make you free. I'm going to turn you into freedom, but I'm going to do it by my mighty hand. So sometimes the correction comes as discipline by word. But sometimes that thing comes indeed. Okay. And sometimes a little bit more is needed. Okay. I have a wonderful son, but sometimes it's word. And sometimes you got to put a little bit more impact behind it because some people can't hear it right away. And you know, you've been at points in your life where you've been hard headed. And then you felt an oops upside the head and you're like, oh, and you th- first you thought it was the enemy. I'm the mighty name. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Let me get right. Let me get right. And it's not because he, he's, he's, sin- he's intending to hurt you or he doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. It's not even because you did anything wrong. Because like I said, even the, the mistakes and the, and the missteps, those are a part of the perfecting process. Those are a part of the process that makes you mature. It's just that he has a plan and a path for you. Sometimes the things you, you need to be corrected for, it isn't even what, the, what people would consider sin, right? It's not even like you're just straight out wilding. It's more of God just needing you to be where he has ordained you to be for your life. Amen? Amen. So let's go to, let's see what happens when it gets a little bit tougher. Go to Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Amen. 
Proverbs 22, verse 15. Mm -hmm. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Wait a minute, God. You got a rod of correction? <laughs> you got a rod with correction written on it? Ah, no. Uh, no, but here's the thing. The purpose of that correction is to drive out foolishness, to drive out foolishness and go to because I'm, I'm, I was wondering, like, God, OK, what what does foolishness do? Why do you need to drive it out? Right. And go to Proverbs 19, three. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody being helped tonight. Yes. Is somebody being helped tonight. Truly, is somebody being helped tonight. Amen. Because I really see God helping us as we go into this next phase, as we go into this higher level. I know he's calling us to a higher level of perfection of the, of the saints. I want the mission of God and the purpose of God to that end to be accomplished in my life and in your life and in every life you come in contact with. So these are these foundational truths that we have to get a grasp on. We have to get an understanding of and we have to know the revelation behind so that we can maintain what he gives us. If your soul is not being perfected, how are we going to maintain a, a church that costs eight million to get into? Amen. How are we going to maintain it if we can't be walking in the way and in the path of God? If we can't be pulled near to him and pressed into him? Amen. Amen. So go to what was it? Proverbs 19, three foolishness. The foolishness of man perverteth this, his way and his heart against the Lord. The foolishness of man perverteth his way. Continue. And his heart fretteth against the Lord. And his heart fretteth against the Lord. The foolishness of man, that word pervert means to twist and ruin. The foolishness of man twists and ruins his way, the course of his life. And then... The result of that is that his heart is angry at God. How many people are angry at God because of their own foolishness, yeah. the own result of their own life? Yes. Yet you're angry at God because your whole, my whole life's been ruined. It was your foolishness. But the rod of God's correction that you resisted, that never came, that you never allowed to take, take hold in your life was never able to drive that foolishness. It says that the foolishness is bound in the heart. It's bound. It's like one with it. So for God to get rid of it, there's certain things in your life that apply pressure to rub that thing away so that you can see the because to be truth, there's people who have all the wisdom of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the wisdom of the world is foolishness, all of its foolishness when it comes to God. So the, the wisdom of man is actually the folly of man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The wisdom of God is the power of God in a man's life. That's what it is. You have to allow God's rod of correction to have a work in you. Amen. 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 Go to Proverbs 15, 10. Hallelujah. Amen. I told you we we're going to jump around tonight, but I just, I really believe the Lord is, is just removing some indoctrinations of some things tonight. Amen. 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 If this is helping, type amen. If this is helping, type amen. 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 Proverbs 15, 10. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Correction is grievous to him that forsaketh the way. Now remember, correction is for the children. It's for the children of God. It's grievous unto him that forsakes the way. Grievous means 
worse than worst. So it started off as a word. He's correcting you by word. He's giving you an instruction. He's giving you discipline. There's resistance. Now it's become grievous. It's become worse than worst. Now you know it's a demon. You're like, this got to be a demon. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I know I got to cast this thing out. And God's like, no, it's not. You can't cast me out. I'm your God. And it's not what, it, 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 and the intention of it is to put you on that right path. But you're resisting so much that it's become grievous. It's become painful. I'm here to tell some people tonight that after tonight, some things you thought were strongholds, some things you thought were the enemy attacking you, they're going to become completely removed as you surrender to the correction of God, as you surrender to the truth of God, as you surrender to pressing into his truth and knowing his plan concerning your life. Amen. 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 For those that forsake the way. This is somebody who's been in the way and has decided, no, I'm not going to allege to this anymore. I'm not going to do what God is telling me to do. God's like, I'm not going to let you be snatched from my hand. I'm not going to let you be snatched from my hand. Go to Jeremiah 5, 3. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord. Are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. Jesus. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They Jesus. have refused to return. Read it again. O Lord, Jesus. are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their Jesus. faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Jesus, help us. God's eye is upon the truth for your life. Oh Lord, are not thine eye upon the truth. Is not your eye upon the truth for my life. God's eye is focused. His intention and his focus in your life is on the truth for your life, on the truth of who he says you is, on, 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 the, on the truth of who he says you are, on the truth of his plan for you, on the truth of his mission for you. His eye is focused on that. But when you resist it, not the correction, it becomes something where you're stricken, something where you're, you're consumed. God is doing everything he can by any means necessary. He's like, hello, hello, I'm trying to get you back on what I have for you because I don't want to lose my investment. I refuse to lose my investment. He's not going to lose what he invested in you. All this work, all these years, all those things that you've gone through. God's not going to lose his investment on you. He's serious about it. God told me, he said, my people underestimate how serious I am about the success of their life. Yeah. Wow. My people underestimate how serious I am about the success of their life. Yeah. It means more to him than you think it does. You mean more to him than you think you do. Amen. He's serious about it. He's serious about it. He was serious enough to send you here. What did Papa Lowe teach? 
Ah, so deep. The day he made Adam, he created you. He already had a purpose for you way back when. He was serious enough about you to send you here, to put you in this ministry, to put you under the sound of my voice tonight because he cares about the success of your life. I'm here to be a testimony to you that God cares about the success of your life. I know that if God sent me to you, I know that if God sent me before you, that he cares about the success of your life. I know that if you're hearing this word tonight, that God cares about the success of your life. Don't don't underestimate Ooh. how serious it is to him. Amen. My spiritual father, he said years ago, and I was like, I wish somebody would tell me when I was three, but okay, amen, I'm, I'm about to receive it now. He said, God loves you as much as he loves himself. You remember that? Terrell's remembering that back in the house. He said, God loves you as much as he loves himself. He gave you Jesus, he gave you himself. He, he, he put the price of who you are with who he paid to get you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's how much you cost to God, that's how much you worth to God. He set the price, himself. You're worth himself to him. My God, he cares, he cares. And this correction is to put you back on that path. The way you the way you surrender to correction is by pressing into the truth of God. It's by pressing in. His eye is on the truth. His eye is on the truth. God, give me your eye. Give me your focus. Give me, Lord God, your intention for my life. Let me be focused on the truth. Amen. 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 That is how you surrender to the correction of God. And now we're going to conquer condemnation. Amen. 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 Because we have to differentiate these things. We have to know so that when we bring the good news, the good tidings to the people of God and to the world, that we are in proper order. God is obsessed with the order of things. He's obsessed with the order of things. Uh-huh. So we have to know and understand these things and break them down. So we all know that in Romans 8, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're all familiar with that. So, but when you hear therefore, that sounds like a continuation of something to me, right? Therefore, my, my English classes in, in high school, college, there's therefore. Okay, therefore what? What, was, what? what led to the therefore? So let's go, let's go to Romans 7 and start at verse 20. Just start at verse 22. Amen. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Jesus. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. So God is, so Paul is saying that I find then uh, there's a law. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law. So a lot of times when we talk about law, we're just talking about like the law of Moses, right? We talk about that law, but God, but, but Paul is saying there's a law of God and then there's another law. I see another law in my members, 
warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So there's two opposing laws. Now, a law is a system that a government uses to create order. It's the way that that government functions. So if there's two opposing laws, then there must mean there's two opposing governments. And Paul's saying these two opposing governments are at war with each other within me. A lot of the issues that come from condemnation is that you still have dual citizenship between the law of sin that God makes you free from and the law of Christ and the law of God that God brought you into. You still have dual citizenship. You haven't renounced your citizenship to the old law. You're still popping back and visiting the old country. You're still popping back and visiting the old man. And God has called you out. He's made you free from that law. He's emancipated you. He set you free. A lot of the issues is you're jumping back and forth. See, when I'm in this government, when I'm standing before you, there are places in the world where I would not be able to do this. There are places in the world where it would be punishable by death for me to stand here before you with my hair slicked back and exposed. (laughs) But they can't come over here and get me because I don't prescribe to that law. You can't condemn me. You can't. And the word condemnation there is to pronounce an adverse verdict. You can't give me an adverse verdict because I don't prescribe to your law. I don't prescribe to that law. You can't bind me by something that I am not pledged allegiance to it's time for some of us to pledge allegiance to the law of God the law of God is the law of freedom the law of God is the law of righteousness of Christ at work in you the law of God is the law of dependence upon him and not of yourself but the law of sin leads to death These are two different governments. I need somebody tonight to renounce their citizenship completely. I need somebody to turn in their dual citizenship papers and claim citizenship only to God and to the kingdom of God. Amen. A lot of the issues come from not having full allegiance to God, to the spirit of God. So with that, now we can move from Romans 7, because I believe these, these two really just flow together. The, the chapter break is there, but in actuality, it's a continuation of the same thing. So he says, but I see, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. These things are in enmity with each other. So you're not even just in two governments. They're governments that are in exact war with each other. How can you do that? How can you be alleged to a government that's in war with another government. You know, you see this, you're coming back and forth from one to the other, but they're in exact opposition to each other. That's why there's so much confusion. That's why there's so much condemnation. But the reason why it's hard to get let go of it is because he says that 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 law of sin is in my members. It's been integrated into who I thought I was. It's hard to let go of because it's, it's within me. It's operating through me. It's happening on accident. I don't even know. I didn't even realize I was being in condemnation. I'm not even conscious of it. I'm not even taking those thoughts captive because it's just the way I think now. Thank God for the transformation that comes by the renewing of our mind. Amen. Amen. Because now we can move out of that. But sometimes things have to be exposed before you can come out of them. Sometimes you have to know what's happening before you can be able to be free from something. Amen. Amen. So he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And chapter eight, verse one goes right into it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is a location issue. You have to be in Christ Jesus. When I stand here in this country, I am governed by the laws of this country. The moment I step foot in another country, I do have to go cover my head. Because I have to stay in Christ. That location, when I'm in Christ, I am governed by the law of Christ. The law of his redemption, the law of his justification, the law of his righteousness. But it's a location issue. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The issue issue with condemnation is that you're in self and not in Christ. You're in self and not in Christ. You're going back to self and back and forth between self and Christ. And it's causing confusion. I I know somebody tonight is being delivered from condemnation. I know somebody tonight is going to be in closeness with God because of this. Because the condemnation that you've been spiraling in, it keeps pushing you away from God. You keep, it keeps, it's a, it's a trap of the enemy and it's a plan of Satan to push you away from God when God, all God is wanting is for you to be near. And I'm seeing somebody be free. I'm seeing somebody that didn't come to church for years, come back into the house of God. Come back into the presence of God. Come back into the presence of his love and of his power. It's for you. He's for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit, that's the nation, and of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Emancipation. You've been made free. Not only was it a government, it was an oppressive government. It was a government that held you by force. The Bible says we were sold to sin. We were sold to sin. Uh, in the, in the, the history of this country, when the slaves were emancipated, the ones that were in Texas weren't told for two years later. Some of you have been emancipated and you're still working the fields. Wow still sold to that old system, and there's a whole new one that God has done. And then what happened? Even when they were emancipated, some of them were told, you don't want to go out on your own. You don't want to really taste freedom. It's not as all it's cracked up to be. Just stay here. They became sharecroppers. Some of you are supposed to be owners of the land, possess the land, and you're just sharecropping. All the money is going to the person that owns it, but you're supposed to be able to be a steward of the land of God and manage it from him. Not for someone else, but for him, for his glory. You've been made free. Newsflash, you've been made free. So when you find yourself slipping into that condemnation, what you're doing is you're stepping back and visiting that old land. You're visiting that old land, that old mindset, that old nation, that old law. It's time to denounce that citizenship. It's time to walk in the freedom of God. Amen. Amen. So what makes you susceptible to to condemnation? So the first thing we talked about it, prescribing to the wrong law, being in line with the wrong law. Let's go to uh, Genesis 3. How am I doing on time? Let's go to Genesis 3. 
We're almost there. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter three. And. Verse one. She's verse looking one? at me like, what, what verse? <laughs> verse one. Okay. Genesis three, verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Ye hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the enemy... His whole plan was to bring condemnation to mankind, was to condemn us, was to put a guilty verdict on us. That was his mission. That was his plan. It wasn't successful. Okay. But that was his plan. So we see now this is the first instance of humans being confronted with condemnation. So let's see what happens. Continue with at verse six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So the first thing that makes you susceptible to condemnation is a focus on self instead of on God. When you're focused on yourself instead of on God, instead of on the things of God, when you're focused on your own righteousness. See, because here's the thing. They were, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. But they knew their situation, but they didn't have the revelation to say, yeah, I'm naked, but God put me here naked. So God knows I'm naked. So if God knows I'm naked and God put me here naked, then I can trust God that there must be something for me in being naked. There must be something that he has for me in this. Some of you look at your situation and you don't see it through the lens of God knows about it. You don't see it through the lens of God cares about it. So you're you're seeing your situation and it's bringing shame, it's bringing condemnation, it's bringing fear. But you haven't set into the revelation yet that if you're in that situation, God's aware. Right. And if he's allowed you to be there, then there's a process that he's doing in it. Right. Amen. Amen. Draw near to him to understand it. Amen. Draw near to him to, to, to have it unveiled to you. Mm-hmm. All, everything he does is a call for you to be near to him. I got to say that again. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole heart of this thing is about. It's about nearness. It's about closeness with him. It's about oneness with him. Amen. So they see that they're naked, but no, they say, oh, I'm naked. But it doesn't dawn on them. Oh, but the creator of everything already knows my condition. He's, he's the one with the solutions. Let me run to God and find out. I know I did what he told, told me I shouldn't do. But here's the thing. It's not about the mistakes. It's about the perfecting. It's about going to the one who is perfect so you can be equipped. The reason why you become perfect when God presses you into him is because he is perfect himself. And you transform into him daily more and more. So when you are when you are integrated into a perfect God, you will become perfected. So they're not running to him, though. 
What happens? What happens? And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They took it upon themselves. Mm -hmm. They took their own righteousness upon themselves. I'm going to fix my problem. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to fix it, God. I got it. I'm not even going to tell you about it. I'm not even going to tell you about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to be close to you. I'm going to fix it. I already know what I can do about this. I already know the solution. Does that sound familiar? These are the, these are the slippery slopes that lead you into condemnation. Your own righteousness. Depending on your own righteousness, on your own self, on your own ability to cover and clean your own self. What does the Bible say? Our righteousness is filthy rags. It's not going to cut it. Relying on God is the only way. Remember, conviction and correction lead to relying on God. Condemnation does not. It leads to relying on self and constantly falling short. It's a vicious cycle that never comes out of. This this is what happened with them. Continue reading. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Hmm. Conviction and correction lead to nearness with God. Condemnation leads to hiding from God. They hid themselves. They hid themselves from the God who has all the answers. They, They hid themselves from the very God who has the provision for them. They hid. These are the symptoms to know you're slipping into condemnation. Something happens, and instead of running to God for the answer, you go and hide. I don't want to go to church anymore, you know. I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm, I'm not really with that anymore. I'm telling you, that's a warning right there. Press into him, even when it doesn't feel good. Even when it feels like correction. Even when it feels like the correction of the rod. Press into that. Amen. Press into the pressure of his presence. Amen. There sometimes is a pressure in the presence of God. Yeah. It's a pressure. But let me tell you, just like in birth, when you don't resist the pressure, when you don't resist, you just flow in it. It makes it easier. Don't resist the pressure of his presence. Press in. Don't hide from him any longer. I see some people who have been hidden from God for too long, and God is pulling you back to him tonight. God is pulling you back to him tonight. This might not be a, but it's a message for somebody to be pulled back to God tonight. I mean, we can, we can uh, uh, all night long, all night long, and somebody still be lost. Somebody still be, somebody still be defeated. Somebody still be broken. Somebody still be slipping into depression. But that's not going to happen yes. under the covering of this house. Yes. Amen. Amen. So their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They heard the voice of God and they hid. Verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Now, anytime God asks you a question that he already knows the answer to, that is the conviction of God coming for you. That is an opportunity for you to say, what did the prophet say? Uh, he said, can these, God said, can these dry bones live? And he said, Lord, you know. That's the right answer. Where art thou? Where art thou? But Adam was still focused on self. He didn't even realize that's the conviction of God pulling him near. Adam, where art thou? 
That should be met with a running into his arms, into his embrace. But the enemy was introducing the process of condemnation, the process of shame. So Adam was hiding from God. A God, when he's asking you, he already knows where you are. He knows everything. Where are you? I'm, uh, obviously, I'm right here. You see me because you can see everything. No, that question is to pull you in, to cause you to rely on him, to cause you to say, God, you know, you know everything that just happened. Help me. Help me. I remember Papa Lowe talked about it, the, the, rich, uh, the rich man that went away sad because he had so many possessions and the God asked him to sell all he had. But that was really just a call for relying on God. Mm-hmm. Oh, this thing you've asked me is difficult. I don't know how, if I can do this. He just went away sad. He just left sad in condemnation. And that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was conviction, to pull him close, to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. I don't know how to do that thing you asked me to do. I need you. I messed up on that thing. I, I got it wrong. I need you. It's no shame in him. There's no, that's why there's no condemnation, because we have access to the resource. We have access to the resource. God is the resource. So he said, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, so, he said, who told thee thou was naked? Adam received information about his situation that he could not handle and manage without the reliance on God. Some of you have too much information about certain things, but it hasn't pushed you into reliance on God. It's too much, it's um, it's information overload. And God's like, let me help you break break down and process what's going on in your life right now. You think you're in a storm and God's like, no, I'm actually perfecting you but you, you, you're not pressing into me to know. I already knew you were gonna eat of that tree. I'm God. Put it right in the middle of the garden. I ain't put it on the side, on the edge. Don't notice this. No, I put it in the middle. And guess what else I did? Guess what else I did? He says, he says in verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. To Satan, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God was using Adam and Eve's mistake. He was using that as an opportunity to defeat Satan all together once and for all through Jesus. He already had the provision of Jesus. God already has all the provisions for everything you will encounter in your life. He has everything that you will ever encounter. He has the provisions for it. He has the furnishings for it. And guess where he wants to put those furnishings? He wants to put them in the house of your heart. He wants to put them in you so that when you encounter a situation, your first your first thought is to go and press into God, to press into the truth of God, to rely and depend upon God so that you're equipped with every single thing you need to face every single thing you face. He's doing it. He's already made the provision. He already had Jesus in the plan. It wasn't nothing new. He doesn't do anything without knowing already. That's not the God we serve. We don't serve a God that's doing guessing. He's not playing guess games. He's not. We go with the flow of God, but God ain't going with the flow, figuring things out in the moment. He's already got the plan, the master plan solved. Let him have it. Seek him for it. Seek him for it. Seek him for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they saw that they were naked and they didn't even have the revelation that nakedness was the state God had put them in. They didn't even know to seek God about it. Amen. God gave them the provision for restoration. And then in verse 16 and 17, 
when he gives them these, uh, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, curses the ground for thy sake and sorrow, shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. These were the correction of God. These things were the correction of God to bring about that change, to begin the process of character refinement. Because now when they have information, when you have information and you're trying to manage information, now you have to have your character refined. The process God has set up for them was one thing. But now, you know, your soul has your mind, your will, your emotions. So there's a refinement of your character that has to come to that. There's a, there, there's a refinement, there's a process of refinement that comes because your soul has been exposed to information. So now we know so much, but God is having to use conviction. Who, who told you you were naked? Yeah. He's having to use correction and sorrow, the land. You're gonna have to till that land in sorrow to refine you. They began, what they really embarked on when they left the garden was the process of perfecting. They embarked on the process of perfecting through conviction and correction. But the result of it is that Jesus was already the provision. Hallelujah. That Jesus was already the provision for their righteousness. And that when Jesus came unto us, he made us perfect in spirit. But now he's doing that refining process. Amen. So conviction, if you go back to Romans 8. Go back to Romans 8. I'm going to be finished soon. Amen. For my East Coast family. Romans 8. And I'll read this. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And verse 19 says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The process of conquering condemnation is just the process of dying to self. When you die to self and when you die to that old law, that thing has no longer any hold on you. It has no longer any hold on you. The old law is dead. It's dead. You die to self. You don't rely on your own righteousness. You rely upon God. And then you conquer it. And you see that conviction and correction, they actually are that process. They lead to dying to self. They lead to dying to self, relying on God. And the reason why the enemy really wanted condemnation to take root in us is you see it. What happens? When you die to self and condemnation loses its grip on you, the Bible says that you become sons of God. You enter into sonship. You become an heir, a co-heir with Christ. He was after our inheritance. He didn't want you to have your inheritance in Christ. But I'm here to tell you that by God's grace, that condemnation will not have any hold on you. 
in the name of Jesus. You are made free in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say, I am made free? I am made free. That condemnation would come to try to block you from sonship. That's what the purpose of condemnation is trying to do in your life. It's trying to block you from that spirit of adoption by which we call Abba, Father. You know, it, it causes you to say, I can't go before you, God. I can't go before you. You can go before him because he's already done it. Anything you could do wouldn't be enough anyway. Every mistake you made was a part of perfecting. Mistakes create perfection. It creates maturing. It creates the, the edification of what he's doing in you. Amen. So everything that you thought was a mistake that would that would disqualify you from relationship with God, it actually qualified you to be even closer to him. Amen. Press in. Press in. There's benefits to being an heir. You get to share in his resources. You get to share in the resources of God. That means everywhere you go, you know you're equipped. You know you have everything you need. You know you're fully furnished. You know there's no problem you will ever face that you cannot conquer. Because I have all the resources of Jesus, which is all the resources of everything. Amen. When, you when, you when you're an heir, you share in his glory. The Bible says we will be glorified together with Christ. You share in his glory. And the real thing that the enemy was trying to get away, trying to get away from us is that it says in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. You manifest God on this earth. When you enter into sonship, Amen. when you are God's, you are his son, you are his child. You manifest your father to this earth so that others will be free. Verse 21 says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption until the glorious liberty of the children of God. That means that all of creation, everyone God's created, they're being delivered into freedom. Everything he's created is being delivered into freedom through you. Amen. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to be able to see yourself correctly. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to be able to know you can go to God as a resource because other people are going to get free. Amen. Other people are going to get free when you master this, when you understand this, when you meditate on this, when your heart is changed to be concerned more with the unity than with being right. Correction is not about being right. The truth of God is the truth of God, point blank, period. Whether you believe it or receive it or anything. It's not about being right. It's about being one. It's about being one. There's so many divisions in the church. Why? Because people want to be right. Somebody want to say, oh, why she got apostle up there? There ain't no more apostle. Even if there aren't. Did you hear anything I said tonight that might have helped you? <laughs> call me Jamie. I mean, you're not going to receive the same thing, but just call me Jamie then. <laughs> but did you hear what God said through? You know what I'm saying? It's all about being. It's not about being right. It's about being one. He's coming. That's why our kids are going to be prophesying from the, the, the smallest age because he's coming soon. There's, there's actually the reason why this church. The reason why this church is being planted at this time, I truly believe, is because the Lord is coming soon and he's not wasting any time. He's not wasting any time with us and with the children that are coming up in this generation. They're not going to have all these. It's not going to take them 30 years to get it because they don't have that long to have to get it. It's not about being true. It's not about it's not the truth. It's about oneness with God. The truth of God is the truth of God, but it's about oneness with him. 
Everything we do has to be rooted in oneness with him. Um, before we go into our prayer, I want to, um, I just want to give you a, a couple of signs. These are signs where you're slipping into condemnation, but tonight I believe some people are going to really be delivered from condemnation. Some of the, some of the ways that, um, uh, you can kind of know that that's become your mindset is that, um, gossiping, um, always seeing the negative side of good news. Somebody says, girl, I'm getting married. Girl, marriage is hard, though. You can't ever see the good in anything. That's how you know condemnation has had a grip on your mind. I'm not saying that to, to shame you. I'm saying that to expose it so that, God, so that you can do what? Give it to God. That's a conviction. That's a correction. If you can't ever see the positive side of anything, you can't ever rejoice for anybody else. That's when you've already been transformed into that mindset of condemnation. So we have to come out of that and we have to come into seeing the power of God manifest in every person we encounter, looking at people through a lens of love and looking at people through a lens of unity. I want you to get ready to, to sow into what God is doing in this ministry. I'm a testimony that this ministry is producing power and that this ministry is producing a relationship with God and that this ministry is a, is a ministry under a mighty covering and, I, and under a prophetic covering. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I want you to, to sow a seed into this ministry. We are still raising funds for the church. Amen. And like I said, this is a crucial time in the world. Yes. Children of God, this yes. is a crucial time in the world. Yes. We need a meeting place for God so Amen. that the power of God can be manifest. What does it say? If you all prophesy, yes. they will fall down and worship your God. Yes. They will say truly God is in you. Can you imagine all the people that will come into this house of God and they will fall down and worship? of God. They will be exposed before their God, open before their God, and they will begin to say, I know that God loves me and is real because he has seen my heart. But we need to be able to be in that place to do that. So I want you to get your best seed and I want you to begin to be prayerful and honor God as you begin to sow that seed. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to pray for you in Jesus mighty name. In Jesus name. Hosi alekunostale bato. Lord, I surrender on your order. 
Tell me I am mystery. 
I have been in prayer for you. I've been in prayer for you. The Holy Spirit is moving in this room right now. And I believe he is moving in your home right now. If you are wondering the sound of my voice, God is doing a mighty work right now. This word that has come to you tonight, the truth has made you free. The truth has come to you tonight. And by the hearing of this word, you are made free tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. God is bringing everything to light right now in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Where the enemy thought he could stake a claim on your life. Where the enemy thought he could stake a claim on your life. I remove it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Where condemnation had become your mindset. Where even the enemy didn't even have to condemn you anymore because you got in the habit of condemning yourself. I remove it right now in Jesus' mighty name. By force, I snatch you back in Jesus' name. Those that were lost, those that the enemy thought that he could take from the past, those that had forsaken the way, I snatch you back in the name of Jesus. I snatch you back as an ambassador of God sent forth for this mission and this purpose. I snatch you back in the mighty name of Jesus. Those that thought that they had forsaken the path, those that thought that they would not come back to God again, tonight I claim you back. I Tonight I declare that those that are the Lord's cannot be snatched from his hand. So I snatch you from the clutches of the enemy tonight and I bring you back into close relationship with God by force, by reason of me standing here under my prophet, under my papa's covering, under the God of Lovi and Leah. I take you back now by force, by force, by force. Every mind in here will be renewed. Every mind under the sound of my voice will be renewed. Every mind under the sound of my voice will be made free. Freedom right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Begin to thank God for freedom. Begin to thank God for freedom. Begin to thank God for your freedom. I see you free. I see you free tonight. Begin to thank God for your freedom. I thank you, Jesus, that you are making them free. Begin to ask God to bring to light everything that he wants to change in you. Begin to be gleeful. Begin to be excited about God exposing you. God, I'm excited. Expose everything in me, Lord God. Expose my heart, Lord Jesus. Pull me near you through your conviction. Pull me near you through your conviction. God, where I have veered from this path, begin to ask God that wherever you have fallen out of his path, ask God to pull you back by his correction. Ask God to pull you back by his correction. Run toward the correction of God. Draw near unto him. Draw near to the conviction of God. Draw near to the correction of God. It's going to produce a work in you. It's going to produce a change in you. Those things that were setbacks in your life, they're going to move right now in the name of Jesus because you're going to be walking in wholeness. You're going to be walking as a fully furnished, as a fully furnished house of God. Everything you need, perfect and complete, lacking nothing, lacking nothing, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. You will lack nothing in the mighty name of Jesus. You will lack nothing in the mighty name of Jesus. Every single thing God has for you. I decree in the name of Jesus that you will have every single thing that God has for you. Under the sound of my voice, every single thing that God has for you, you will have it now. You are equipped to face every single situation, every single obstacle, because you will face it with the reliance on the God of all things, the God of all creation, and God will glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. He will be glorified as you are made perfect. 
my declaration over you is that he will be glorified and you will be glorified in God and you will manifest the power of God in this world. You will manifest the glory of God in this world and those that you come in contact with, the freedom you have become tonight, you will carry it everywhere you go and those that you touch in the mighty name of Jesus, they too shall become free. They too shall become free in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank God. In the mighty name of Jesus. I see people free now. I see people rejoicing now. I see the tricks of the enemy. The tricks that the enemy used to use. The tricks that the enemy used to use to keep you in your bed for days. Keep you in depression. Keep you in, in fear. Keep you in, in, in your weakness thinking that you had no one to turn to. I see those tricks and those schemes exposed tonight. And I see you running to your God. I see you running into the arms of your God. I see you in peace in the arms of your God. I see you trusting in your God. I see you pressing into your God for the truth of his word. I see God's eye on truth and your eye on God. So your life walking in the way of truth. I see you back on your path. I see that business idea that you abandoned. You're going back to it now. You're picking it up now. The business idea that God gave you. The business, the bakery that God told you to do. The bakery that you gave up on. The bakery that you said, oh God, I can't do it. There's been a pandemic and there's no restaurants even open. I see God putting you back on that right path that the things that you thought were difficulties they were actually the correction of God to put you back into keeping with him I don't know who this is for but I'm telling you now come back into alignment with God come back into the will and purpose of God I see you pulled near him I see the people that you love coming to God now because you understand the heart of conviction that you can tell them that you can prophesy to them that God sees them and your sister that you've been praying for her to be saved that you've been coming at her trying to correct her not realizing that it was really the loving conviction of God the exposure of her heart that was needed now you I see you going to her and I see God sending you equipped equipped in the mighty name of Jesus and she doesn't even recognize you she's thinking it's gonna be the same old spiel but when you come to her this time now I'm seeing her her ears perk up to listen I'm seeing her heart be open to receiving and I'm seeing her life transformed because now you know because now you know that it's for the unity of God. Now your heart is to pull her close to God. I see you abandoning needing to be right and just being in the truth of God. Just trusting in the truth of God and standing in the oneness of God. I see you becoming obsessed with the heart of God for your life. I see you becoming obsessed with the heart of God for your life and I see God's plan and purpose for your life being accomplished and you being made perfect. They're going to say there's something perfect about that church. There's something perfect about that church. I don't know why. It's not that they never made mistakes. It's not that they never did anything wrong, but there's something perfect. There's something complete. I feel a wholeness when I walk into that building. I feel a wholeness when I walk into that place. That's what they're going to say. That's going to be their testimony of us. If you've been changed tonight, I just want you to begin to rejoice and thank your God. Just give God a 10 seconds of praise. Just give God 10 seconds of praise. Thank you, God, for this word. 
thank you, God, for unfolding it and making it manifest, God. And I thank you, God, that now as their ears have been opened. I saw Sharon said her eyes were being opened. I saw Sharon say her eyes were being opened. Your eyes are opened. Everyone here, your eyes are opened. Your eyes are opened. And now you can go forth with confidence. Because when you rest in the perfecting power of God, you carry confidence. Because you know that the work he's doing in you, it is being completed for his glory. Thank you so much for tuning in. I again honor my spiritual parents. I honor Prophet Lovi Aaliyah and Mama Maggie Aaliyah. I honor my brothers and sisters. I honor my brothers that came before me this week, Mike and Will, Apostle Mike and Apostle Will. I honor my husband who, hallelujah, has encouraged me this week. Let me tell you. Seriously encourage me. I honor you. I honor my mother who's been babysitting my kids so I can prepare this to come before you. I thank God. I thank God for all for all of us here. And I thank God for this house. And I'm so grateful to look through this lens and into your homes and into this nation and into this Aaliyah generation and say this is a perfect group. Complete and totally free in the mighty name of Jesus. Shalom, shalom. Hallelujah.